Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. If you think you can stop your thinking, it presupposes a relationship to your thoughts and who you are and your relationship to your mind that it turns out isn't true. A lot of people get very confused in meditation between the difference between thinking and thinking about not thinking. Thinking about not thinking is still thinking. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Whatever your challenges, awareness is usually what you need to surmount them. Meditation is one of the primary tools to develop that awareness. However, meditation is widely misunderstood and can be tragically misused. This episode continues our series on meditation with part three. We return to the question of what is meditation from the perspective of awareness as subtractive in nature. This frames meditation as a challenge you'll be able to face head-on and get the most out of your efforts by paradoxically being willing to get nothing at all. This series is from a recent webcast that happens each week for members. For more information about the many benefits of Clear and Open and how you can get the help you need in conversations like this, please go to clearandopen.com. Here we go. So now let's go back to meditation. What So we know meditation is in the realm of awareness. Now notice all of the answers we were, you were talking about. How many of those answers of what the answer to the question, what is the point of meditation, were additive in nature, right? Promote relaxation. Even the idea of becoming more aware is, at, is additive sounding. Relaxation, focus, clearing your mind. Yes, because you have to have a reason to do it. Yes. You see, so the additive frame, the knowledge frame we have causes people to approach meditation from that perspective. Now, this is not to say that meditation can't be beneficial to you from that additive perspective, from a knowledge perspective. It can. That's part of actually the problem because it does, quote, work. You can achieve certain results relating to it that way. But that's not its original purpose. So what is the original purpose of meditation? If I'm, if I'm, I'm purporting here that it's, its goal is subtractive in nature, deconstructive in nature, what's the point then? I would say to surrender. Mm-hmm. Surrender to what? Let it all go to, to what is, mm. to, 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 to life. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. To read. To reality. Mm-hmm. Which means letting go of what? Your thoughts. Every, mm-hmm. Everything. <laughs> a, a, everything that isn't reality. Your thoughts, your self-image, <laughs> yeah. any idea you have, present, a uh, past or future ideas, anything that's not in the present. That's one way of thinking about it. There's a, there's a more granular way of thinking about it. Letting separation, like be, like being like anything that's not like, I mean, I'm just going into the metaphysical piece, I suppose, but I, yep. to me, it's about, it's just deconstructing it all and not believing anything. Mm. 
a willingness to not believe anything, to to lose everything, so that what is actually true. Which is super scary. (laughs) Yes. So I'm so glad that you said that, Tiffany. Because when you think about meditation, you go read someone random blog about meditation. Generally, you won't hear that word scary, right? Meditation's advertised as being, oh, it's about relaxing and, you know, having a feeling of well-being. People generally don't associate fear and meditation, not in exoteric circles, not in mainstream circles, but real loss, loss of things that are not real, creates fear when you're losing ideas, when you're losing self-images, beliefs, or even just being willing to let them go, that creates fear. That's part of the subtractive process. So if you meditate a lot for over a number of uh, months, let's say, and you don't feel any fear, well, you're not really doing the esoteric version of meditating. You're, it's, it's not, again, it's not that it won't help. It's just that it's going to be limited. It's going to be limited. So there are a few different ways of talking about the essential point of meditation, but one I think that is the most useful is that it's to find the meditator, that the point of meditation is to find the meditator an experience that it can't be found, an experience that the meditator cannot be found. Not to know that who you are can't be found in there, but to actually experience that you don't exist in one way, to experience in one way that you don't exist. I'm having trouble with this. Do you mean the you that you think you are doesn't exist? Or do you mean like we really don't exist, like we're in, uh, we're a simulation? Like well, you're going down the physical rabbit hole and I'm yes. not wanting to go with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well reported. I, that's an accurate depiction of your experience. And that's exactly what comes up. What, this is why meditation would, wouldn't sell very well. People are like, hey, there's this cool thing called meditation. Oh, yeah? What does it do? Well, it gives you the experience that you don't exist. Uh, what? <laughs> does it come in vanilla? You know, like, can I have, is there anything else I could get that would maybe be more substantive? That doesn't sound very comfortable. I want to say, yeah, that's exactly right. So you lose your day-to-day way of relating to who you are. And on the other side of that, you can gain more and more of a sense of who you actually are. And it's quite different than who you think of yourself to be. Is it like the first couple chapters, I think second chapter of the Wisdom of the Enneagram talks about developing the observer? Is that what you're doing is observing and, and you, you discover there's a lot of things going on in your head that aren't real? It's related to it. One, okay. one technique in, in meditation has to do with uh, observation. That has limits as well because you, and you tend to get over-identified with the observer. Um, that's another topic though. But yeah, that's in the, in the direction of things that we're talking about here. In other words, related to what Tiffany led off with, is it's a surrender to reality and a willingness to question absolutely everything about who, you, who and what you thought you were by being completely present with what is and beginning with, so let's, let's sort of take a, a small example and uh, a sort of a facet and explode it. So one meditation technique 
is paying attention to the space between your thoughts. So generally we have a thought and then we have another thought and then we have another thought and then we have another thought and we pay attention to the ones instead of the zeros. We pay attention to the thoughts and we don't even notice the space between the thoughts, but there is a space between the thoughts. The same way we tend to see the stuff in a room and we don't see the shape of the space in a room, right? If you were to take a photograph of a room and then look at the negative, you'd see the space more than the stuff, right? But the space, the, the shape of the space around stuff is just as real as the stuff. But we don't see both equally. We see the stuff. That's how we're conditioned. But if you were to talk to a feng shui expert or a, you know, an interior designer, they would be really good at seeing the space. And that's part of what they do. They see spaces, not just stuff. So in our internal experience, we pay attention more to the stuff, the thoughts, than the space. So one, of the, one meditation technique is just paying attention to the space. So the thought's happening, but instead of you attending to the thought, you're going, okay, here's that thought. Eventually, it'll go away. And I'm going to look for the space that arises when it goes away. And then eventually it goes away. And then you go, oh, there's the space. But if in that moment you go, oh, look, there's the space. Look, it's really interesting space. I wonder how long the space will last. Now you're, now you're thinking again, you see? That's not space. It's really, really tricky. A lot of people get very confused in meditation between the difference between thinking and thinking about not thinking. Thinking about not thinking is still thinking. I'm, so I'm relating this to my experience of anxiety with public speaking, which I have now for presentations between now and November. Cool. Um, yeah. And that thought of why I'm anxious isn't real. And in meditation, I would see that by not focusing on that thought, but the space in between. Yes. In other words, I mean, you don't want to think about it in terms of I'm going to prove that this thought isn't real, but you, instead you have more of a, a wondering about it. Like, Oh, what's, what is that about? What's around it? It's an investigation into the context of it. So, you know, there's no way really to use words to describe this. All I can do is fail at describing it really well as, as best I can, because every word we say about it isn't true because it's going to be all thought and concepts. But again, so the attending to the space between the thoughts changes your awareness, shifts your awareness from thinking to the space between the thoughts. And if you practice this enough, it will start to translate into your day-to-day -day experience where your attention is not anchored in the thoughts. It's anchored in the space between the thoughts. What if that space between the thoughts was more you than the thoughts themselves? What if that space had a quality? It's not nothing. Even though it's no thing, you can't hang your hat on it. It's ineffable. It's indescribable. It, it has no concept. It can't be held in your hand. But what if there was a quality to that space that was actually you? The same way we don't pay attention to the space in the room. We look at the stuff, but the space in the room is in the room too. In fact, the space in the room is prior to the stuff in the room, right? Because I could take all the stuff out of the room and there's still the room. But if I take the space out of the room, I can't fit any stuff in it. 
You see? The space is ontologically, that's the adverb for that, so related to being, it's ontologically prior. The space is ontologically prior to the stuff. The space in which your thoughts occur is ontologically prior to the thoughts. It's more essential because you cannot have thoughts and the space is still there, but you have to have the space in order to have the thoughts. So that means it's realer. It's one sort of order of magnitude realer, you see? Meditation is about cultivating your access to that place and then seeing what happens. What happens? Not necessarily useful to, to describe what happens because it can't be described anyway. But it's a curiosity. It's an investigation. What happens if I identify with the space rather than the thoughts? What goes away? What stays the same? Some things will go away. The concept that we're not our thoughts is still mind-blowing. It is. If we're not, we're thoughts. I mean, because you can experience periods of no thinking, which is different than trying to not think, right? I think it was, uh, Joe, you said uh, to, to, stop your, to, to experience the, that you can stop your thinking. In the beginning, you said that. You discover through meditation that you can't control your own thinking. That's a really important part of it. This is one of, the, one of the biggest, one of definitely the top 10 misconceptions about meditation is that you can stop your thinking. Um, you can for small periods, but it's not sustainable. And that's part of what leads you to a surrender. Because if you think you can stop your thinking... It would cure a lot of things in this world. Yes, for sure. But if you think you can stop your thinking it presupposes a relationship to your thoughts and who you are and your relationship to your mind that it turns out isn't true. Oh my gosh. You see? The idea, I can stop thinking whenever I want. Well, you can, you know, anything past five seconds gets to be really hard. And you'll find, like, you may be able to, you know, sometimes you sit and your mind just clears. Great. But other times your mind's making you crazy and you can't do it right? If you could reliably stop your thinking, you do it all the time. But even with a lot of practice, you find it's impossible. They, they put all kinds of electrodes on a Buddhist monk that was used to meditating, you know, 10 hours a day or whatever. And I think they registered, they were registering thoughts. And the longest he lasted was like a minute or a minute. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so it's another, again, it's important. This is such an important thing, so I don't mind harping on it. Because if you phrase the point as to stop your thinking, now you're at war with your mind. You're trying to, to, to do something. The mind's going to push back. You're trying to fight yourself. Yes. That's why they say I'm not good at it so often. Right. It's impossible to not be good at meditation. It's also impossible to be good at it. You see, that, that's a, it's a mental frame. It's like, I'm going to go to a new beach and explore it. I hope I'm good at it. But what? You're exploring a beach. What does that mean to be good at it, right? It's completely made up. You have to think that clearing your mind is the point or some other you know, goal to decide whether you're good or not good at it. Meditation is just an exploration of what's true and an openness to whatever arises. Now, there are techniques you can use, 
and you may be good or not good at staying focused on it, but it also, it doesn't matter. You know, if you're just counting your breath to 10 and some days you can count to 10 and start over and you're very focused and it's easy on other days, it's really hard, which is better. Actually, many times when you're losing focus, it's more productive than when you are really focused because every time you return, you're waking up. Oh, I lost count. Oh, I lost count. Oh, I lost count. That's like saying, well, I lifted this weight 10 times and on the 10th time I couldn't anymore. So that's bad. No, that's just exercise. You got as far as you could. You see, that's, that's, this is how much the mind is involved. You see? So it's way easier, as in the case of much awareness, it's way easier to talk about what meditation isn't than what it is. And people hate this, right? Because it's subtractive. And if this is sounding familiar, you guys see I do this with you all the time, right? You bring a belief or awareness or a way of doing something, and I'll say, no, that's not it. And sometimes people are like, well, tell me what to do. And my answer sometimes is, yeah, sometimes I can give them what to do. Sometimes I won't because it's not about what it's not about knowledge. It's not about replacing one thing with another. It's about subjecting someone to that emptiness so that something else can arise, subjecting someone to the space they're afraid of so that they can make a different choice. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Be sure to visit clearandopen.com for the latest tools, articles, and free resources to help you on your journey. Thanks for listening and bye for now.